Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you doing today? I hope you're having a fantastic day and I hope that you're getting a lot out of this month's um, topics around what you should look for an employer, kind of how to do that whole choosing an employer area. And one of those things I want to talk about today specifically is what you can and can't negotiate when you're being hired. So I want to give you both the what and the how. Um, And so I have uh, stolen liberally. I will quote the sources that I got these, um, this information from, but I got some really good online information. I'm really going to share in, and in something I don't normally really ever do, I'm going to read some things for you because I think that they're really fantastic. So um, again, we're going to talk about what you can and can't negotiate when you're being hired and kind of how to do it. As a reminder, I do a webinar every month on a different topic. It's 30 minutes of content followed by 30 minutes for Q&A and the opportunity to be coached live by me. So please uh, go to the show notes, get the link, go to my website, sign up for that, find out what the next topic is, sign up for it and come and do it. I am hooking you up with great content through the podcast, through the blog, uh, through um, these webinars. So please hook me up with a five-star review. I would love that. All right. So what you can and can't negotiate. So first of all, I want to talk about when you can negotiate. So there's really a relatively small window when you can negotiate. And it is between the time that a bona fide job offer has been made and the time that you've accepted it. So any earlier than that, and, and what do I mean by bona fide job offer? Something is in writing for you to look at. So they are not just talking hypothetically, you know, if we hired you or what would it take to hire you? At that point, it's still hypothetical. So once you have a typically written offer in hand and then the time that you say yes, so anything earlier than that is really premature. Again, it's in the hypothetical phase. Anything later than that, and I can almost promise you that they're not going to give you more than what you agreed to at that salary with, you know, the stipulations and everything that was in that contract. They're not likely to come back and say, oh, yeah, let me give you another $10,000. I think that's a great idea. So you have that window of opportunity. So here are your options when you're given a job offer. So first of all, you can accept the offer as is, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that, but you can accept it as is. You can reject it as is and just say, you know, usually that means that either it's just not the right position for you and there's really nothing that that you could negotiate that would make that the right position for you, or the salary or some other aspect of the job is so far away from ideal for you that you don't think that any amount of negotiation, you know, let's say you want six weeks of vacation a year and they're offering you a week of vacation a year, there's not much chance that you're going to get to a place, no matter how much negotiation you do, that is going to be satisfactory to you. If there's, you know, a a 50% difference in salary, it's not likely that that's going to be negotiated away. And then the third option is to negotiate the offer. So yes, it's good. We're in the ballpark. This is a good starting point and I want to work with it. I like the job. I'm, I'm interested in it. There are a couple things I'm concerned about, so I want to negotiate it. So should you negotiate? So if you are completely, totally happy with the job as it stands, you don't have to 
negotiate the position. Now, I don't recommend that you accept it on the spot because I think that you you just look a little bit eager, over eager. But also, I think you need time to really look at a written evaluate a written um, offer to make sure that there's nothing in there that's kind of snuck in that you're not happy with. So you need time to think about that process that you may have important people in your life that you want to share that with and discuss it with. So I recommend a couple days to, you know, maybe a week before you accept it. You kind of have to play that by ear. Um, it has a lot to do with, you know, how fast has the process moved? Have they been kind of fast tracking, trying to get someone on, on the spot, you know, in the position as quickly as possible? They're probably not going to want to sit on their heels for a week while you make that decision. But a couple of days at minimum, you should be able to um, have to negotiate. So I, I've talked a little bit about when no is the appropriate response, when they're just, you're so far apart. Um, but I want to talk about some of those other reasons when no might be the best response for you. So you're going to reject the offer. First of all, if you've already accepted another offer, and this is a really sticky area, but I think that these things come back to haunt you. So I want you to be very certain when you accept a job that it's the job you want. You're not taking it out of a sense of desperation, a sense of lack, you know, until something better comes along, because that can really come back to haunt you professionally. But if you have already accepted another offer, then you really need to say no to this offer. So let's just say you've had an interview, it's been a while, you know, in the meantime, you've taken another job, they come around and say, hey, we'd like to offer it to you. It's too late. You want to say no. Another reason to say no is when you know that the company or the position is in direct conflict with your values and your career goals. So what they make, what they do, how they make it, how they do it is completely in direct conflict with your values. There's something presumably that you learned in the, in the interview process, because hopefully if you knew that at the outset, you wouldn't have applied in the first place, but maybe you went in the interview and you saw something, you, you maybe did deeper research after the interview, you found something that was very disturbing to you on a kind of moral basis and you cannot in good conscience work for that company. Another reason that no is the appropriate response is, as I mentioned earlier, the salary or some other aspect of the job is just miles away from what you need. So you ideally, and I, and I talk about this real quick, I always, um, when I'm coaching my clients, we talk about three numbers. I want you to go into the interview with three numbers. One number is your dream number. That's that's where you'd like to start your your salary negotiations at. That's pie in the sky, but but not completely out of the blue, but it's a high number. At the other end, you want your walkaway number, the number at which you know that you can't live. You know that from day one, you're going to regret that you took that job because it's just not for you a real living wage. It doesn't, it doesn't reflect the work that you do and the, the work that you put in. And then the middle number is that kind of hopeful that's where you're going to end up, right? So you've got this high number where you might want to start and if you're asked to throw out the first number in the negotiation process, and then that number in the middle is, this is what I really would like to walk away from um, in terms of salary. And so if you know that this job isn't going to pay no matter what negotiation is happening, you're so far apart that there's no way that that job's going to pay enough for you to live on, or let's say that it has to do with travel. Let's say that 
you would have to do extensive travel in this job and you're a new mother or a new father um, or you're you know new in a relationship or there's a family member who's very ill that you're going to be partially taking care of so there could be something going on in your personal life for which extensive travel or some other aspect of the job is just not a good fit another reason to say no is when you hear or read um, intel, you know, reliable intel that the company is either financially unstable, maybe your prospective boss is a nightmare, um, or the work environment is toxic. So this really has to do with not so much about the, the company um, being at odds with your values. This has to be with this company, you know, it might not be around in a, a few months or a year. There's some disturbing financial things. And, and, you know, often with financial instability, instability comes layoffs, terminations, and often it's last in, first out. So if you've just been hired, you're, you know, immediately on the cutting block. But also you find out, let's say you run into somebody who used to work for this box, the boss, and I would never want you to take one person's word for it, but if you hear reliable intel from multiple people that the boss is really difficult to work for, the work environment is very toxic, then those are reasons to say no. And I, a final word about when no is the appropriate response is I always want you to say this politely and, and professionally so that you aren't burning bridges because, you know, there, you never know. We, we live in a very small world and that person that you're saying no to might end up being able to offer you another job. It, it may be with that company. Maybe they move on. They were impressed by you. This happens with my clients all the time. They interview with someone really impressed. The fit is not there with that company. Six months later, that individual that was interviewing them has moved on to another company. And who do they pick up the phone and reach out to? Absolutely. So you never want to burn those bridges. So do it politely and, and professionally. All right, so let's talk about how to do this negotiation. So let's assume that you're in that window between a bona fide job offer and you have accepted the offer. So if salary is the issue here, then what I want you to do is research the salary in that geographic region. It's got to be in there. So salary.com, salarycalculator.com. Uh, just Google salary calculator online and see what, what comes up. The main thing is that you are finding out what that job pays in that geographic region. As you can imagine, you know, an, an entry-level accounting job in San Francisco pays very different than an entry-level job, uh, the same entry-level job in Birmingham, Alabama. So you want to find out what is a reasonable salary in that area. And then you've gotten this written uh, offer. So you want to send a letter of negotiation with your counter proposal for your salary. And you want to provide the facts. So it doesn't, you don't want to say, well, I can't live on that. Or I have, you know, a new car that I'm paying for. They don't care about that. You want to give them facts on what is this position pay? What is kind of the mid range in that area? And I will tell you that I had a client in, uh, I believe she was in Orlando. Was it Orlando or Jacksonville last year? And we did a 30 minute interview or salary negotiation coaching session. So, you know, whatever that cost her, she ended up getting $10,000 more in the negotiation phase. She had like the very next day, she had a negotiation meeting with the, you know, the hiring manager and she was able to negotiate an additional $10,000. And a lot of that had to do with her, you know, doing her research about that geographic region and that job and being able to show them that what they were offering was not on par with the salaries in the area. All right, so here are some tips 
for negotiating from that I got from the Harvard Business Review. So this is written by a gentleman named Deepak Malhotra. I hope I haven't uh, butchered his name. And again, this is the Harvard Business Review. So I'm, I'm going to do some reading here because I think that the content here was really fantastic. So he says, don't underestimate the importance of likability. People are going to fight for you only if they like you. Anything you do in a negotiation that makes you less likable reduces the chances that the other side will work to get you a better offer. This is about more than being polite. It's about managing some inevitable tensions in negotiation, such as asking for what you deserve without seeming greedy, pointing out deficiencies in the offer without seeming petty, and being persistent without being a nuisance. Negotiators can typically avoid these pitfalls by evaluating how others are likely to perceive their approach. Deepak Malhotra goes on to say, help them understand why you deserve what you're requesting. They also have to believe you're worth the offer you want. Never let your proposal speak for itself. Always tell the story that goes with it. Don't just state your desire, such as a 15% higher salary or permission to work from home one day a week. Explain precisely why it's justified. The reasons you deserve more money than others they may have hired or that your children come home from school early on Friday. So, yes, there's a personal piece in there. This is my editorial. There is a personal piece in there, but you're justifying why you want to work from home one day. Um, it it may, will make sense to them as opposed to I just want to work from home on Fridays. Okay, back to Deepak Malhotra. If you have no justification for a demand, it may be unwise to make it. Again, keep in mind that inherent tension between being likable and explaining why you deserve more. Suggesting that you're especially valuable can make you sound arrogant if you haven't thought through how best to communicate the message. He then says, make it clear they can get you. I really liked this one. People won't want to expend political or social capital to get approval for a strong or improved offer if they suspect that at the end of the day, you're still going to say no thanks. If you intend to negotiate for a better package, make it clear that you're serious about working for this employer. If you're planning to mention all of the options you have as leverage, you should balance that by saying why or under what conditions you would be happy to forego those options and accept an offer. So you see what he's saying here is you can leverage other opportunities. And I teach my clients how to do this. This is one of my favorite parts of the salary negotiation and really the whole job search process is leveraging other job offers. I often have clients who, you know, nothing comes in and nothing comes in and nothing comes in. And then all of a sudden they have, I literally had a client who called me a couple of months ago and he's, he was so smug. He's like, so how's your day been? And I was telling him, you know, I wasn't picking up on his nuance. And I was telling him about my day. And then he just said, I have six job offers right now. And he was so proud of himself. And he had been so worried and didn't understand why people weren't biting on him. And I told him, I'm so glad that it came this way as opposed to one at a time. Because then he can, A, evaluate all the job offers at once. But he can also leverage those job offers against the one that he really wants and say, hey, here's what I'm, you know, really want your job. And, and of course, you have to decide which one you like the best, but you can go to that employer, say it's employer A, and say, hey, I've got four other job offers on the table, and I have to be honest with you, some of them are paying considerably more money, but I'm really interested in your company because of whatever it is, and here's what it would take to get me. 
So here's the big thing about this negotiation, and I don't know if he says this or not. I don't think he ever does. Maybe he assumes you, you understand this. You have to be honest in this process. So if company A is not your favorite, then don't tell them you, that, that you really want to come work for them. If you don't have four job offers, don't tell them you have job offers, because again, that can come back to bite you in the butt. But you can absolutely leverage what else is happening with your job offers as long as you make it clear hey here's what it's going to take to get me all right so back to mr um, malhotra understand the person across the table companies don't negotiate people do and before you can influence the person sitting opposite you you have to understand her for example negotiating with a prospective boss is very different from negotiating with an hr representative you can perhaps afford to pepper the latter, that would be the HR representative, with questions regarding the details of the offer, but you won't want to annoy someone who may become your manager with seeming, seemingly petty demands. On the flip side, HR may be responsible for hiring 10 people and therefore reluctant to break precedent, whereas the boss, who will benefit more directly from your joining the company, may go to bat for you with a special request. Next, understand their constraints. They may like you. They may think you deserve everything you want, but they still may not be able to give it to you. Why? Because they may have certain ironclad constraints, such as salary caps, that no amount of negotiation can loosen. Your job is to figure out where they're flexible and where they're not. If, for example, you're talking to a large company that's hiring 20 similar people at the same time, it probably can't give you a higher salary than everyone else. But it may be flexible on start dates, vacation times, signing bonuses. On the other hand, if you're negotiating with a smaller company that has never hired someone in your role, there may be room to adjust the initial salary offer or job title, but not other things. The better you understand their constraints, the more likely it is that you'll be able to propose options that solve both sides' problems. And I'm thinking about a client that I worked with extensively last year who was going to work for a, um, she'd been given a job offer by a New York City startup. And it was actually a very entry-level position. And she had three years of post-college really substantive experience. And they were able to, A, change the job title because they got her in there and they were like, oh my gosh, you can do so much more than what we were anticipating finding someone to do. And of course, they they reflected that in her salary. She actually got a very good salary and she was making very good money at the company she had left. So she had a lot of concern around, was I going to be able to match that salary? And she was actually able to better it. So knowing that is so helpful, knowing what might be negotiable. And you can even ask them um, kind of, you know, how negotiable is the salary? Um, and, and kind of find out what, what is and what isn't negotiable. All right, back to the article. Be prepared for tough questions. Many job candidates have been hit with difficult questions they were hoping not to face, as such as, do you have any other job offers? If we make you an offer tomorrow, will you say yes? Are we your top choice? If you're unprepared, you might say something inelegantly evasive or worse, untrue. My advice is to never lie in a negotiation. It frequently comes back to harm you, but even if it doesn't, it's unethical. So here he is talking about not lying. The other risk is that faced with a tough question, you may try too hard to please and end up losing your leverage. The point is this, you need to prepare for questions and issues that would put you on the defensive, make you feel uncomfortable, and exposes your weaknesses. 
Your goal is to answer honestly without looking like an unattractive candidate and without giving up too much bargaining power. If you have thought in advance about how to answer difficult questions, you probably won't forfeit one of those objectives. Next, he talks about focus on the questioner's intent, not the question. If, despite your preparation, someone comes at you from an angle you don't expect, remember this simple rule. It's not the question that matters, but the questioner's intent. Often the question is challenging, but the questioner's intent is benign. An employer who asks whether you would immediately accept an offer tomorrow may simply be interested in knowing if you are genuinely excited about the job, not trying to box you into a corner. A question about whether you have other offers may be designed not to expose your weak alternatives, but simply to learn what type of job search you're conducting and whether this company has a chance of getting you. If you don't like the question, don't assume the worst. Rather, answer in a way that addresses what you think is the intent and ask for clarification of the problem the interviewer is trying to solve. If you engage in a genuine conversation about what he's after, and show a willingness to help him resolve whatever issue he has, both of you will be better off. Next, consider the whole deal, and I cannot emphasize this enough. Sadly, to many people, negotiating a job offer and negotiating a salary are synonymous, but much of your satisfaction from the job will come from other factors you can negotiate, perhaps even more easily than salary. Don't get fixated on money. Focus on the value of the entire deal, responsibilities, location, travel, flexibility and work hours, opportunities for growth and promotion, perks, support for continuing education, and so forth. Think not just about how you're willing to be rewarded, but also when. You may decide to chart a course that pays less handsomely now, but will put you in a stronger position later. Next, negotiate multiple issues simultaneously, not serial, and I alluded to this earlier. If someone makes you an offer and you're legitimately concerned about parts of it, you're usually better off proposing all your changes at once. Don't say the salary is a bit low. Could you do something about it? And then once she's worked on it, you come back with, okay, great. Now there are two other things I like to fix. If you ask for only one thing initially, she may assume that you getting it will mean you're going to be accepting the offer or at least make ready to make a decision. If you keep saying, and one more thing, she's unlikely to remain in a generous or understanding mood. Furthermore, if you have more than one request, don't simply mention all the things you want, A, B, C, and D. Also signal the relative importance of each to to you. Otherwise, she may pick the two things that are least important to you and think she's met you halfway. Then you'll have an offer that's not much better and a negotiation, a negotiating partner who thinks her job is done. So you might want to say, you know, there are a couple things, a couple concerns I have about this job offer. Uh, primarily the salary is a concern. I was hoping to be somewhere around 15% higher than what you've offered me here. Also, blah and blah. But you've made it very clear the primary concern is the salary and that's the big sticking point. All right, next, don't negotiate just to negotiate. Resist the temptation to prove that you're a great negotiator. MBA students who have just taken a class on negotiation are plagued by this problem. They go bargaining berserk the first chance they get, which is with a prospective employer. My advice, if something is important to you, absolutely negotiate. But don't haggle over every little thing. Fighting to get just a little bit more can rub people the wrong way and can limit your ability to negotiate with the company later in your career when it may matter more. 
Next, think through the timing of offers. At the beginning of a job hunt, you often want to get at least one job offer in order to feel secure. This is especially true for people finishing a degree program when everyone is interviewing and some are celebrating early victories. However, ironically, getting an early offer can be problematic. Once a company has made an offer, it will expect an answer reasonably soon. If you want to consider multiple offers, it's useful to have all your job offers arrive close together. So don't be afraid to slow down the process with one potential employer or to speed it up with another in order to have all your options laid out at one time. This too is a balancing act. If you pull back too much or push too hard, a company may lose interest and hire someone else. But there are subtle ways to solve problems. For example, if you want to delay an offer, you might ask for a later second or third round interview. So that's probably a concept that's foreign to many of you, the idea that you might ask for another interview, but that is an option. All right, next, avoid, ignore, or downplay ultimatums of any kind. People don't like being told do this or else, so avoid giving ultimatums. Sometimes we do so inadvertently. We're just trying to show strength or we're frustrated and it comes off the wrong way. Your counterpart may do the same. My personal approach when at the receiving end of an ultimatum is to simply ignore it because at some point the person who gave it might realize that it could scuttle the deal and will want to take it back. He can do that much more easily without losing face if it's never been discussed. If someone tells you, we'll never do this, don't dwell on it or make her repeat it. Instead, you might say, I can see how that might be difficult given where we are today. Perhaps we can talk about X, Y, and Z. Pretend the ultimatum was never given and keep her from becoming wedded to it. If it's real, she'll make that clear over time. Next, remember they're not out to get you. Tough salary negotiations or long delays in the confirmation of a formal offer can make it seem that potential employers have it in for you. But if you're far enough along in the process, these people like you and they want to continue liking you. Unwillingness to move on a particular issue may simply reflect constraints that you don't fully understand. A delay in getting an offer letter may just mean that you're not the only concern the hiring manager has in life. Stay in touch, but be patient. And if you can't be patient, don't call up in frustration or anger. Better to start by asking for a clarification on timing and whether there's anything you can do to help move things along. Next, stay at the table. Remember, what's not negotiable today may be negotiable tomorrow. Over time, interests and constraints change. When someone says no, what he's saying is no, given how I see the world today. A month later, that same person may be able to do something he couldn't do before, whether it's extending an offer deadline or increasing your salary. Suppose a potential boss denies your request to work from home on Fridays. Maybe that's because he has no flexibility on the issue, but it's also possible that you haven't yet built up the trust required to make him feel comfortable with that arrangement. Six months in, you'll probably be in a better position to persuade him that you'll work conscientiously away from the office. Be willing to continue the conversation and to encourage others to revisit issues that were left unaddressed or unresolved. And finally, maintain a sense of perspective. This is the final and most important point. You can negotiate like a pro and still lose out if the negotiation you're in is the wrong one. Ultimately, your satisfaction hinges less on getting the negotiation right and more on getting the job right. Boy, do I agree with that. Experience and research demonstrate that the industry and function in which you choose to work, your career trajectory, 
and the day-to-day -day influences on you, such as bosses and coworkers, can be vastly more important to satisfaction than the particulars of an offer. These guidelines should help you negotiate effectively and get the offer you deserve, but they should come into play only after a thoughtful, holistic job hunt designed to ensure that the path you're choosing will lead you where you want to go. So I hope you hear that. None of this matters. None of this negotiation matters if it's the wrong job. So it has to start with, this is a job that I really want, really fits within my career goals. It uses my skills. I like what I hear about the company. And we just need to iron out a few things. As opposed to, well, if they're willing to pay me enough money, I'll take this job. I'll make it work. And you, you think that the money will overcome your concerns about the work itself. It never works out that way. And I can promise you from very early on, you will be job hunting again. So I hope this has been helpful. And uh, again, please hook me up with a rating, review, and subscribe. And if you want to grab the URL to go to my website and sign up for the next webinar, look in the show notes. Uh, and it's 30 minutes of content and then 30 minutes of Q&A and live coaching with me. So do it. All right. Have a great week. See you next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach. So be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.